into the arms of Davis. And a superior team all season long was a superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rookie record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. Welcome into the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. It is now week five of the college football season. A lot of teams around the country are now beginning to start their conference play. And it's about the time of the season where we really get a true sense of who a lot of teams actually are. There's nowhere to run and hide in your own conference And this is where the teams really start to separate themselves. But before we can get there, we must go back a little bit to last Saturday and talk about the Kentucky Wildcats as they took on the Northern Illinois Huskies. I'd like to bring in Sam at this point. And Sam, I just wanted you to give the listeners a little insight and I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts about what you thought um, as far as the Kentucky game goes on Saturday and what transpired out there at Kroger Field. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. Uh, you know, last week, week four in the college landscape was a hectic one. I mean, to be honest, there was a lot of chaos on uh, the top 25 slate, including the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, honestly, AJ, as I've digested through that game, I rewatched it. And, um, you know, the big takeaway from week four was – honestly survive in advance and thankfully the Kentucky Wildcats did exactly that um you know just to bring all you guys up to speed I'm sure you've seen it as you kind of you know sat back and watched what unfolded last Saturday but you know Kentucky gets a a win against Northern Illinois 31 to 23 now let's just kind of bring you guys up to speed what else transpired with the top 25 here and just recognize the chaos of which week four brought to the college landscape we'll start with number one georgia they were in an absolute battle aj against unranked opponent kent state the flashes gave them a heck of a saturday they end up losing 39 to 22 but gosh it, it came down to that last possession where georgia finally was able to punch it in there one last time and spread the lead out but Heck of a battle there. Then we move on to number four, Michigan, who took on unranked opponent Maryland. They squeaked a win out. I mean, it was a grinded out fest, AJ. 34 to 27, Michigan on top. It was that close. I mean, it was a one possession game all game. Yeah, and not to cut you off, I'll let you keep going. But the very first play of that game, Michigan kicks off. The kid on Maryland goes to field the kickoff return. Doink straight off his face mask. Michigan picks it up. Their first offensive play from scrimmage, they run a 
uh, a uh, play action. J.J. McCarthy rolls out bootleg right, throws it to the back of the end zone to the touchdown. Seven seconds in, Michigan's up 7 nothing on their home field. And You thought it was going to be a bloodbath. Oh, yeah, and, and Maryland absolutely outplayed them for large stretches of the game. It just, Michigan ended up uh, too much ground and pound with, uh, with Blake Corum. But anyways, yeah. I digress. I'll let you keep going. Sorry. No, it was a heck of a game. And then we moved. Down south to Oklahoma, who took on K-State. That's Kansas State. And that's an actual loss. The number six overall team, if you guys did not see that, that's one of the reasons Kentucky moved up in the rankings after our slim margin win against Northern Illinois. However, Oklahoma loses to Kansas State 41-34. to We move on to USC. AJ, this is a game that you told us about. This is a game that you told us about. Now, Oregon State didn't quite get the upright underdog win, but heck, they gave them a great afternoon. They end up losing to number seven overall, USC, 17 to 14. It was within the spread, so kudos to you, my brother. You did a great job on that game. And then we we moved down the list, man. I mean, Ole Miss, obviously our opponent this week, they struggled, man. Number 16, Ole Miss barely squeaked out a win against Tulsa, 35 to 27. They won by an eight. Eight margin as well, eight point margin as well. I mean, it was. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to chime in right there too. They they jumped out to quite the early lead. I believe they were up thirty five to fourteen or seventeen at halftime. Um, and you know, reading Lane Kiffin's comments, he said that they came out of the locker room at halftime and the entire student section had left the stadium. Had so left. he said it. they walked out and it looked like a high school stadium and they really just kind of mailed it in and they, they just had no life in that second half. And, uh, you know, I mean, that just, they end up winning the game by eight. They probably could have blown them out, but either way, you can't yep. let your foot off the gas in that situation at home and let a team like that come crawling back into a football game. No, you're absolutely right, and that's actually something that I'll kind of unfold a little deeper as we get into the breakdown of our Ole Miss opponent here on the schedule here uh, in just a short couple of days. But, you know, we we move on, and, you know, number 22 Texas gets beat upright by unranked opponent Texas Tech. Number 25 Miami gets beat upright by a complete unranked opponent in MTSU, 45-31. to I mean, just to kind of – not overwhelm you guys with all these numbers and all these opponents, but it's true. Week four was chaotic, and the theme of it was survive and advance. I think a lot of teams, AJ, were looking at their calendar, and you know they were looking to their conference play that's upcoming. I know some of the games that I listed were opponents within their own conference, but let's be honest, it wasn't the Michigan versus Michigan State, Michigan versus Ohio State. It, it was, you know, kind of let's tune up within our own conference play and let's get ready to roll. And I think a lot of teams just kind of overlooked their opponents. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping and resting on the fact that we tried to not show too much within our game. And I'm, I'm honestly hoping that's the case. But, you know, we did some things great, some things very poorly. And Mark Stoops was, Mark Stoops was obviously uh, candid and and providing that feedback as how he thought his, his squad played on Saturday. Um, you know, but I'm not going to try to take too much away from this game other than the fact that we're 4-0, and AJ. We're moving on to week five, and we've got a huge opponent on our slate in Ole Miss. There's good things to take away, which I hope obviously 
Mark Steuben's staff, he's able to kind of digest that game and show, hey, guys, we did a lot of things good. Here's what we did bad, and here's what we have to fix. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be a tall task. We've, we've got a great opponent coming up on the road, that's for sure. Yeah, and as far as the Kentucky game goes on Saturday, I think you kind of um, hit the head on the nail, as they tend to say. Um, you know, it was survive in advance. It was kind of a wacky week. Um, did we play as well as we wanted to? No, we didn't. But, again, a win's a win. You you walk away 4-0, you move on to the next week, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So I think we don't need to spend a whole ton of time as far as that's concerned. Um, I guess my only takeaway from the game, and this has kind of been a theme all season, um, but you know what I mean? The run game, it's it's not been what we'd hoped through the first four games of the season. So what's transpired, if you've paid attention, is outside of stretches in the Florida game, we've we've run the ball a little bit, but in my eyes, we've almost abandoned the run because it's just not been efficient whatsoever, and the coaching staff is not just going to run in themselves into a brick wall all day. Um, so what they've done is chosen to throw in the ball a lot and because they've chosen to throw in the ball throw the ball a lot because of the fact that they can't run the ball very well teams are gearing up to blitz extremely heavy and sending pressure and that's where you see the sacks and the pressures on will levis Um, but outside of the sacks i mean and sam this is something that we talked about in our preview of the entire season before you can go back and listen to it but something that i had touched on was will levis's ability to stand in there handle the pressure and continue to throw the ball down the field and deliver those accurate passes when the pressure is on because that's something that he was not he did not do that extremely well last year and there's stats to 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 prove that and to back that up and you can go back and watch the game tape and he struggled when he felt the pressure and he had defenders in his face and he has done a much better job of that this season so that's kind of what I took away from the game it was just some of his development and and what we did in that game albeit the final score wasn't what we had anticipated but like we said a win's a win so that's kind of what I had taken away from it and now let's move on right? Absolutely, AJ. That's very true. Okay, so we will set the stage for Saturday's big game. We are traveling down to Oxford, Mississippi, where we will take on the number 14 ranked Ole Miss Rebels. This is the first time that these two teams will meet where they are ranked since 19. 58. So this matchup has been a long time coming. You've got two schools, both sitting here at 4-0, both in the top 15 of the AP poll, and both of them are trying to cement their themselves within this conference and within the pecking order of this conference. Obviously, we play in a different division than Ole Miss, but either way, each of us are trying to put ourselves in the top tier of this conference, and this game is going to go a long way in deciding that pecking order. So with that being said, Sam, 
I would like to hand the floor over to you. And as I told you earlier off air, I will let you start wherever you'd like to start. And you can start to give our listeners a little insight into what we may expect to see on Saturday. And just kind of digesting this game as a whole and being able to evaluate and kind of see where the advantages are, disadvantages are. So the floor is yours, my friend. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, truthfully, guys, me and AJ were just talking briefly off air uh, prior to recording today. And it feels like I've waited an eternity for this game, AJ. I mean, ever since we wrapped up that win against Northern Illinois last week, it's felt like time has stood still. I mean, I am just I'm so ready for this game Saturday. Um, You know, there's a there's a lot to look for and there's a lot that I'm anticipating. Um, I kind of just want to start, honestly, AJ, with their offense going up against our defense. I think that's probably the number one matchup within this game. You know, there's a lot of games within the game. This is a huge one because we're going up against, obviously, the number 14 Ole Miss team and the number seven Kentucky Wildcats. And I think who we are as a team so far has been the excellent excellent play of our defense. And it's excelled us to this number seven spot in the country. And Ole Miss, hands down, who they are is their offense. So that's kind of why I wanted to start there. Um, Truthfully, guys, Ole Miss has a hell of an offense. They're currently ranked the number 21 scoring offense in the country. They can be explosive, but they do it, for the most part, AJ, one-dimensionally. They run the damn football, and they do it well. Thankfully, we've kind of started to creep in as a premier run-stop defense and that's kind of what I'll, I'll unfold for you guys today. But overall, Ole Miss is actually the number four rushing offense in the entire country. They're averaging 280 yards per game, EJ. That's, that's impressive. That's, that is enough, guys, for their quarterback, who is nothing necessarily to write home about, but he's, his SEC, he's an SEC quarterback, and that's enough to open up that playbook for them week after week and give him enough time in that pocket because every time that defense they're going up against is thinking run, 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 and they have to load the box to stop that run. And that's where realistically you see them excel. Um, Overall, how we match up with that, we're the number 33 overall rush defense in the entire country. AJ alluded to this last week, I believe. And truthfully, we have started to submit ourselves as an elite run-stop defense. We allow or average just nearly over 100 yards a game rushing AJ, and that's really where I think we're going to be in a rock and a hard place. Who's going to give? You know, the immovable object meets the unstoppable force. Who's going to win that battle? And it has to be the Kentucky Wildcats. We have to be firm in the trenches and stop them up front because – we can't allow them to open up their entire playbook on us and eat away at the ball being in Will Levis's hands by running the damn football down our throats. That's going to really hurt our offensive rhythm where every time you're getting the ball, it might be with limited time in the quarter or the half, and that's what we really want to avoid. We want the ball in our hands so Will Levis can obviously, like you alluded to this, AJ, when he's got time, 
he can just dissect that defense play by play and break them down. And I think that's the exact offense that Ole Miss is going to try to come at us with, especially on the ground. Um, You know, overall, I think we're up for the challenge. It's really going to come down to this. And I know we say it week after week, AJ, but this linebacker play, if they can accept the challenge, we just found out, actually confirmed today, AJ, that J.J. Weaver is officially out. We saw it last week without him. You know, there's some holes. But now we've had that rotation without J.J. Weaver for a week now against Northern Illinois, obviously. I think they're going to be ready. They're going to be communicating, and they're up for the challenge. But realistically, that's what it kind of boils down to me as far as we have to stop that run early in this game so they can't just start bleeding the clock on us and really wearing down the boys. But that's kind of where I wanted to start. Yeah, and I honestly, Sam, I that's the only place to start. Um, I will be candid with all of you. I have spent my entire week breaking down this game, going over every number I possibly can, looking at this game in a million different ways, all the storylines affecting the game, all of the actual game within the game, the different matchups, all of that sort of thing. And I was ready to present all of that information to you guys. And I just kind of got to a point today where I got so exhausted with all of this that I stopped thinking about it for a little bit. And then it kind of just became clear to me. And I don't know why I had to go through all that to see this, but I'm glad I did because Realistically, I think on this side of the football, if we want to have success in in what it comes down to is is being able to stop that run because their entire offense this season has been rushing the football and they have three running backs that can run the football and they do a really good job of it. Um, They have been uber efficient so far this year with Zach Evans Ulysses Bentley, and their stud freshman, Quinshawn Judkins. Now, Bentley is actually out for this game, so they will only have their top two rushers. And Bentley has been more of a goal line back for them, which he's a bigger guy, so um, maybe tougher for them to get in the end zone this week, potentially. But down to down, they've, they've had a lot of success. Um, so being able to stop the run for us is absolutely key because that, like Sam said, opens up their entire playbook and their offense. And the quarterback play thus far for them has been pretty mediocre at best. Um, it was confirmed, or at least that's what I saw is that Jackson Dart is the starting quarterback now for them. So sounds like he's going to mm-hmm. be the starter playing the game this weekend. Yeah. Um, I have not been super impressed with what I've seen of him so far. I think a lot of his success as far as passing the football this year has been all because defenses have had to sell out to stop the run after they've gotten bludgeoned, and it's opened up a lot of wide-open passes and different things of that nature. So I say all that to say this. 
stopping the run has to be done this weekend because if you stop the run and you turn them into a one-dimensional football team and more importantly what we need to do is is have great success on first and second down and as exactly what i was about to say And, and, and sam i will bring up one number because our early down EPA on defense expected points added is twenty ranked twenty seventh in the country after the first four games. So we mm-hmm. have done a tremendous job on first and second down of being able to limit the other team with being able to put themselves in third and short situations. So we've done a good job at keeping teams behind the down and distance. Now the level of competition we're going to face this weekend is is the best we've seen in that category as far as running the football and down-to-down success on offense. So it is absolutely vital if we can keep them behind the down and distance and force them into known passing situations, okay? Mm-hmm. Third and yep. seven, third and eight, anything above, even third and six, if you can put them into known passing situations, this offense becomes very mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even with the rushing that they've had and some of this, this, the openings they've had in the past because of it, they still rank outside the top 100 in EPA per pass. So Correct. if, and that's why I said all these numbers and everything like that, if you just boil it down on this side of the football, it all comes down to stopping the run. And Sam, you brought up something key with J.J. Weaver being out. Now, that is a big piece of our defense that's going to be missing. He got hurt and missed time, so you've seen some guys come in there and play. And the linebacker play, you know, there may be a little bit of a hole there, and I'm not expecting them to play to the exact same level as if J.J. Weaver was in there. So that's where I put a lot of this responsibility to step up on the defensive line because we've seen in flashes and spurts not 100% consistent, but you've seen the level of dominance that can be there. And this is a game where as a defensive line, you say, we know that our star linebacker is out and and we got to make up for that. And and we got to be able to stuff this run and we got to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. And they have a chance to really impact this game on that side of the football and so sam i you know we can just we can beat it to death but it's it's all about stopping the run this weekend it absolutely is and and like you said our ability to get them in the backfield whether that be through on the run or sacking that quarterback that's massive aj because like you said to get them in down to distance where they're uncomfortable in their play calling on second and third down that's massive aj stopping them on first down is going to be one of the most critical things for Brad White and that defense to do effectively on Saturday. Because once we get to third down, AJ, we're the sixth ranked in the nation third down defense in the country. We stop them on third down. Teams right now are converting 0.236% of their third down conversions on us, AJ. We get them in long-distance scenarios where they're not able to run the ball on us on third down. I'm telling you, that's the recipe which the Kentucky Wildcats go marching out of Oxford with a W. That's how one side of the football has to be handled, though. Okay, and before we move to the other side of the football, I did just want to point out one more thing. Jacquez Jones 
and our boy in the secondary, Kedron Smith. Both used to play for Ole Miss. So you know the boys have been giving their insight, motivating the team on defense, and I'm just looking at, at, at them two specifically with J.J. Weaver out, outside of the defensive line that I said needs to step up and elevate their game. I'm looking at those two to really elevate their game and to be the leaders on the field and on that defense and be constantly communicating with the team. And if we give up a big play or a big run, it's not panic or anything like that. It's next play, let's make the stop. And, you know, they may drive the football on you. Okay, they get into the red zone, let's bunker down in the red zone and hold them to three. So those sorts of things where I'm really looking for guys on the defense to step up and Mm -hmm. to be the – to see that leadership on full display and to be able to come up with some of those timely stops um, yep. and being able to do some of those things to affect the game. And so I'll, I'll leave the defense at that. If you got anything else to add, go for it. Yeah. If not, we'll, we'll go to the other side of the ball. I'm glad you brought that up, AJ, because that was my last point actually that I was going to make. It's the red zone. So to unfold this one more step for you guys, the Kentucky Wildcats are currently ranked outside of the top 50 for red zone defense. Once you peel a layer back, AJ, you really find the true numbers within those numbers because the Kentucky Wildcats have a top 25 red zone defense in my eyes because we've only allowed seven trips to the red zone this year, which is well within the top 25. What they're looking at is when teams get into the red zone, how often are they scoring? Six out of seven times, AJ, when a team gets into the red zone, they get they get points out of it. I don't care. The Kentucky Wildcats, let alone in the second half, had not let a team score on them, AJ, until last week. This is what I'm talking about. When Ole Miss gets into the red zone, exactly what you said, we can, we can bend, we cannot break. I'm fine with letting them kick some field goals. That's fine. But for the Kentucky Wildcats to only allow seven trips to the red zone the entirety of the year, that to me, that's huge, AJ. We're bending. We're not breaking. We have to uphold that end of our defense on this Saturday. That's for sure. All right. Well, with that being said, why don't we switch on over to the opposite side of the football and talk about this Kentucky offense against this Ole Miss defense. And Sam, I'll throw it back to you, and I'll kind of let you get this conversation started again. Yeah, well, this is uh, what I've been calling off-screen the the old piss defense because it ain't great, AJ. Uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to, to harp on them too harshly, but truthfully, I think there's some gaping holes that – Rich Gangarello really needs to develop a great game plan to exploit. The first thing I have written down, AJ, because I looked at this like probably you, from so many different angles. Without being too dramatic, this could be, I'm not saying it absolutely is, but this could be a Rich Gangarello legacy game for the Kentucky Wildcats. Because when I look at this game at a million different ways, AJ, Everything that it comes down to is the package that Rich Gangarello puts together with the X Factor. Yes, I'm talking about Chris Rodriguez being back for the Kentucky Wildcats. I'm hyped up, boys. But here's the thing, AJ. Here's the thing. You alluded to it earlier, which I was so glad because now it fits in perfectly. We have been pretty one-dimensional. 
when we look at the numbers, Will Levis is almost averaging 300 yards a game, AJ, 296 to be exact, which surprisingly to me is number 19 overall in the entire country for averages. The thing of it is, is now we've got the returning lead rusher in the SEC and Chris Rodriguez back, AJ. And what Rich Gangarello puts together as a package to utilize both of these true assets that we have is vital for our success. Because I, truthfully, AJ, I don't want us to just run the damn football nonstop on Saturday until it works and we were banging our head against the, the field goal. I mean, what I want is a healthy mix to give this opponent just no idea what we're doing. Because truthfully, we have the edge here, AJ, where for weeks now, we have four weeks, Ole Miss has four weeks of film on us with really no run to have to worry about. Now they have no film. They got to go back to last year, AJ, with a totally different offensive coordinator running at the helm. They don't have any film of Rich Gangrello running this offense with Chris Rodriguez and Will Levis and this explosive wide receiver room that we clearly saw on Saturday yet again. That's kind of where I started and where I also finished. I mean, I, I looked at it with so many different things and there's plenty more to unfold, but that's to me what it boils down to, AJ. Sam, I'm so glad you, you brought up Rich, Rich Gangarello because um, he is a low-key X-factor in this matchup, and I, I don't think a lot of people look at it that way, but um, listening to him speak this week, um, you almost got a sense that he had a sense of, of I don't know how to... I guess a little bit of a sense of relief, a little bit of excitement. You could kind of just see a little bit of a pep in his step, I could say almost, because he knew what he had in Chris Rodriguez when he came here, and he hasn't been able to have that chess piece out on his chessboard yet. And you just you even look at what he said, and this is a quote straight from his mouth this week. And he says, without giving too much away, it fires me up. I mean, we had a lot of cool packages in fall camp that we developed in the summertime where we put variation to guys on the field. With Jatan, with C-Rod, with receivers, running backs, without running backs, receivers, all those sorts of things. Stuff we did in San Francisco. I think having C-Rod back and having some depth again, because we really were playing with two guys at running back for two weeks there, it provides us a chance to have some fun with our personnel groups. And, and I think that quote right there just kind of, it just kind of puts into perspective what we're going to try to do on offense this year, this game, and going forward. Um, not only Rich, but just listening to Will talk this week, Stoops talked this week. They have been working in this offense for the whole summer, the spring, through the fall. And like I said, their number one chess piece has just not been there. And Mark Stoops said something interesting where he said, you know, we're not asking um, Chris to come in and be the savior of our run game. And that's not what I'm trying to get at either. I'm not at saying he's going to come in being, being the savior. What I'm saying is 
he opens up another dimension of our offense in which it hasn't been there. And I think we've done a really good job in adapting and throwing the ball more and being able to score points and win these football games in the first few weeks. But having Chris Rodriguez back there just completely changes the dynamics. Something I sent to you earlier this week, but um, I wanted to bring up was just the fact that over the course of his career, Chris Rodriguez, I don't know if there's anybody better in college football at being able to create more yards after first contact. Um, Top three as far as running backs go the last two seasons in college football. And right before we got on here, Sam, I sent you a little uh, video that I came across on the internet. And it said, this was the last rushing attempt for Chris Rodriguez in a Kentucky uniform. And it was the game against Iowa last year in our bowl game. And what did he do in that play? He gets the ball in the backfield. We're in a goal to go situation Iowa defender is right there to blow it up. Chris bounces off the tackle, pushes left, gets ahead of steam, and just bulldozes his way into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. And so that kind of, to me, just shows you who he is as a runner. Yeah, has our offensive line struggled? Okay, I get it. The media, everybody around has beaten to death the fact that Kentucky's offensive line stinks and our run game stinks and they've written us off and whatever. But this guy, he makes everyone better, okay? He makes the offensive line better. He finds holes that other running backs don't. He creates his own holes. He bounces off tackles and creates plays when they're not there, okay? He also helps tremendously in the pass block game. This guy is an absolute animal. Go back and watch the film, okay? I could put together a 10-minute montage of this guy in college absolutely blowing up linebackers and defensive linemen, okay? Will even said it this week himself, our quarterback one. He said, guys come in to blitz me, and Chris picks them up, and he makes them not want to blitz me anymore, okay? That's the type of dude we're talking about, an absolute rock solid man in that backfield protecting our quarterback so like you said sam we got to be able to run the ball we got to be able to throw the ball i think you're going to see a lot of things you haven't seen already this season rich brought it up as well with jatan he's back man so there's another body in the backfield you go from having Two guys in the backfield in Cavassier Smoke and Lavelle Wright, who, Mm -hmm. one, has not played much football at Kentucky in Lavelle Wright, and then Cavassier, who's always been a complimentary back. So now you got two explosive backs back in your backfield, and now you're at full strength back there. So I really think that that's kind of the key to this game is Chris doesn't need to be the savior, but... He needs to come in and play like the Chris Rodriguez we know, and that is just going to open up everything on this offense because you don't want to have to rely on strictly just throwing the football the whole game, and we don't want to see Will Levis sack six times and consistently under pressure. But Chris, he breaks off a few runs, and he makes them change up their defense a little bit and even just gets them to bite on a few of those play actions, and boy we're cooking now and I think people are going to really see what this offense can, can truly be. 
and it's going to start this weekend. Yeah, AJ, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the elephant in the room of Kentucky being ranked 127th, third from last in FBS and allowed sacks. It, it's ugly. I mean, let's let's talk about it. It's it's for real. But you you broke it down perfectly. We have not had a rushing game. We, we've had to throw the football, and when you're doing that, you're more susceptible to letting up sacks. And yeah, let's admit it. We haven't had the most stout offensive line. We also haven't had Chris Rodriguez. And that's that's where he's my X factor, AJ. We don't need him to go out there and rush for 250 yards and three touchdowns to win this football game. Matter of fact, Ole Miss is allowing opponents rushing game roughly around 119 yards, AJ. Let's walk it back. We get 100 yards. I'm telling you, we're going to walk out of Oxford with a W. That's where I feel. And that really does start with Chris Rodriguez and our offensive line protecting Will Levis and us having a healthy package of rush and passing plays to where they're not able to get home to Will Levis like they have been able to. They're sleeping on us, AJ. You can see it in the media. You can see it plastered everywhere. And I hope it's within our practice facility of how much we're getting slept on this week, AJ. Seven-point dogs as the number seven team country in the nation. And I think everyone's thinking that it's going to come down to the fact that we can't protect Will Levis and that rushing game is going to stomp all over us. And that's just not the case, AJ. You broke it down perfectly, but that's just not going to be the case, not on this Saturday, and that's for sure. And, you know, aside from that, we got over the elephant in the room as far as them having the ability to get home to our quarterback. Let's talk about our quarterback. He's played exceptional, AJ. We already talked about how many yards he has per game. He's shown, even in dire situations, when they're getting home to him what feels like every other player play, he's stayed in the pocket. He's delivered exceptionally efficient passing. And that's what blows me away. He's the number 17th most efficient quarterback in the country, despite having some of the most pressures in the entire country as a quarterback as well. That's what I love to see. His decision-making has been great, and he's known where to go to the, with the football early and often. You saw some of those explosive slant routes against Northern Illinois, or Iowa last week, or Illinois, sorry, where our players, you get the ball in their hands, like Barry and Brown, like Dan Key, you get your their hands on the football they're able to make some explosive plays that's what i want to see this saturday and gosh man i i don't know how many other ways we can look at it but i think it really boils down to those two things most exclusively on both sides of the football for the kentucky wildcats oh man sam i am just absolutely fired up for this game and i i just cannot wait for saturday i think there was just one more thing I kind of wanted to touch on as far as uh, the game goes, and I think something to monitor is the turnovers because this game honestly could could be decided by somebody turning the ball over and putting another team in a position to score late in the game or something of that nature, and, and a big defensive play and a big turnover could change the course of this game. So protect the football. Will Levis needs to be smart. 
Do not force it. Live to play another down. Give what the defense takes you. If the deep shot's not there, throw it away or check it down or throw it in the turf, whatever you got to do, and then protect the football. That goes for the running backs, the tight ends, the wide receivers. When you get the ball, I know you want to make a play and you want to run it, and we got some guys who can create yards after the catch, and I want them to do that. But when you're running and you got defenders around you, protect that ball. Like it's your baby. I mean, just do not let that thing go because if you don't and you play your game and you execute the way that we know we can, you should be able to come out of here with a W. And that's going in as a a six-and-a-half-point underdog when a lot of people are counting you out and every professional better that I know is telling me that the side is Ole Miss in this game. And I really don't think people have a way to quantify what Chris Rodriguez means to this offense. And I think for someone like me and you who have seen it in action, we understand the type of player he is and what he brings to this offense. Um, So, you know, I know it's kind of asking a lot for him to come in week one and, and be a key contributor, but from everything that I've read, he seems like he's ready to go and he's mentally ready to go and physically ready to go. And so I don't think it's too much to ask for him to come out and and play a game that we've seen him play in the past. I mean, doesn't have to be an all world effort, but be able to move the ball consistently and, uh, you know, helping us pick up some first downs on third and two, third and one, things of that, um, potentially getting the ball in the end zone on the ground, something we haven't been able to do a whole ton this year. So, um, yeah, like I said, it, it it's going to be exciting. It's going to be rowdy down there and uh, noon kickoff. Uh, how do you feel about that? About that noon kickoff? You know, I, I was pissed off when it was announced, AJ, as well with the rest of BBN because this deserves to be a you know a prime time game where the rest of the nation gets their eyes on this because these are two great football teams going up against each other. And I've walked it back. To be honest, AJ, I think this gives the Kentucky Wildcats as best of an opportunity to win on the road in a hostile environment as possible. I mean, we talked about this earlier in the year, but when we went down to Gainesville, Mark Stoops has built this program and this team for games like this. And they still are. They're still that team. And I think it also helps, AJ, just to some degree that – you know, it, it's tough to, it's tough. You got to wake up. You got to be early. You got to have your eggs a little, a few hours earlier. You, you're just not going through your routine quite the exact same way. Um, you know, your fans, they're up early too. They're trying to tailgate at freaking 6 a.m. We've been there. We were, you know, at some big schools. We, we know what you have to do. And I think that gives the Kentucky Wildcats its best opportunity to come out of a hostile road environment and the SEC with a W. That, I don't know. How, how do you feel, man? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind it at all, to be honest with you. It, it really doesn't bother me what time of day they play. Um, kind of like Mark Stoops, you know, you tell us when and where, we'll play you wherever you want kind of thing, whenever you want, wherever you want. So, um, you know, I think a, a really good team, it doesn't matter when you play, uh, morning, night, afternoon, Saturday, Monday, Friday, Sunday, whatever. Um Let's line up and play some football, you know? And so the only thing that I do mind, um, and 
this kind of transpired because of, and this is kind of odd, but this transpired, transpired because last night Aaron Judge hit home run number 61 and ESPN is now going to do live look-ins of his at-bats to try to see when he hits number 62. Well, the Yankees play at 1 p.m. on Saturday. So during the middle of the Kentucky and Ole Miss game, they're just going to randomly switch to the Yankees and you're going to have to watch Aaron Judge try to hit a home run, which is just the most idiotic thing I've (laughs) ever heard in my entire life. If I wanted to watch it, I would watch it. Do you think Kentucky or Ole Miss football fans or college football fans in general, the people who are watching this game on ESPN, give a rat's ass about Aaron Judge and his home run chase. A fake home run. I don't, I'm not going to get into all that, but he's not. it's not even the real. Barry Bonds hit 73 in a season. So, I, I mean, I don't, know, I don't even understand what everyone's all up in arms about. But apparently that's big enough to be able to put the Kentucky and Ole Miss game on pause, which it won't be on pause. But if you're not in the stadium, you just won't have access to being able to watch that because they're going to switch it out, which is just – I'll stop because I could go all night about this. This is so dumb. But that is – oh, my God. Good Lord. I know, man. I, I know. And they've been doing it for a week now on his chase to, to 61. Now he's got to get 62, and they've interrupted broadcasts. And it's just, you know, I, I'm over it. I, I'm i over it. But, uh, you know, we'll lay our, our case there. But but other than that, AJ, I think we just have a couple of housekeeping items, and then we'll send you on our way. And uh, for the listeners, the countdown is on. We're, we're almost there. It's almost – 11 o'clock or, or noon for you Eastern timers uh, Saturday, and we're ready for kickoff. Absolutely, Sam. We are ready for kickoff in Oxford on Saturday. Like Sam said, we got a few housekeeping things to uh, take care of real quick before we get out of here. Um, one being this week, we are not going to do a best bet, and I'm sorry, but. I'm just not going to force anything, to be quite honest with you all. I don't necessarily see anything that I'm falling in love with and want to be able to share with you guys, and I don't want to just put something out just to put something out. So um, we're just going to kind of sit back and watch this week and monitor some situations, and then um, I fully expect to be able to come back next week with a bet. But uh, what I will say is... Sam alluded to the Oregon State plus six that we cashed. Um, We also did cash James Madison plus six as well. They also won on the money line, so that was a nice little little bet we hit there on Saturday as well. They pulled a Tom Brady in the New England Patriots. They went down 28 to three and had one of the most epic comebacks I have ever seen. I'm streaming the game on my phone and I'm just going nuts as they're coming back. So I thought we were dead in the water there. I was about to have to come on here and say, good man, I gave you James Madison and they just got absolutely blown out. But what a comeback by them props to them. Uh, so we're three and zero so far, which is which is great, man. I mean, I fully expect to win all the time, but you never do, and so it's just good to come on here and and give out a few nice plays. But um, yeah, the housekeeping that we wanted to take care of was uh, more on the Kentucky side of things. So Sam, I'll hand it back over to you and and let you touch on these things before we get out of here. 
Yeah, just a couple of things uh, basketball related. Gosh, it feels good to, to have that word roll off the, the tongue, AJ. But despite obviously all of our main focus being on, um, you know, the gridiron for this amazing season that we're, we've started off with 4-0 and and obviously number seven in the nation, first time in, gosh, over 50 years, AJ, the Kentucky Wildcats have cracked the top 10 again. So just exciting stuff. But on the basketball court, the Kentucky Wildcats have officially had their first practice of the season on this Monday, AJ. So it's great to see the Cats back. We are we're fully ready to go. I mean, we got Uganis Kingsley obviously on the team now. He had his first practice officially with the team, um, and it's just going to be fun as we kind of work through the off season here. Uh, AJ and I will obviously be starting to update you guys as practice is going, how uh, our team is shaping out, and just giving you you know some initial thoughts as we kind of work through. Um, it quickly because honestly, you know, November is not too far away, AJ, and that uh, state champions classic is going to be right around the corner where we take on the Michigan State Spartans for our opening season game. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. And then, other than that, uh, just for your guys' information, we do have the Big Blue Madness practice coming up here uh, just around the corner later in October. And we actually received the official news that number one recruit DJ Wagner and top center recruit Aaron Bradshaw will both be in attendance. So, you know, you guys heard probably Mark Stoops uh, speak in the offseason of how he wanted to revamp our Big Blue Madness night. And it looks like he's gearing up for a big one, AJ. And that's extremely exciting. We've got both of them coming that evening and attending. And you know, let's put on a show for these guys and, and wrap these recruitment processes up. That's for sure. Yeah, Sam, and uh, not to call you out or anything, but just to correct you, you said Mark Stoops. Um, was, <laughs> Jack Calipari. For a big... I'm locked in, man. Hey, no, I, listen, and, and so I, I chuckled, you, you know, as soon as you said that. Uh, I just wanted to clarify for the listeners, but John Calipari has been working on uh, Big Blue Madness um, I don't think Mark Stoops has been paying much attention to <laughs> to Big Blue Madness um, at this probably not at this at this stage of the season, but um, I'm sure he hopes it goes tremendously well and we end up signing Wagner and Bradshaw and that all things go well. So um, yes, yes. Uh, but anyways, I think that's about it for today. I don't think there's anything else to get to. Um, The only other thing, AJ, is actually we do have uh, the official date of when Aaron Bradshaw is going to be making his college decision. So he has announced that it's going to be November 16th. That's actually some very recent insider information. So just mark your guys' calendar, November 16th. Obviously, that's well after he uh, visits Kentucky again because he's obviously already been there. Um, So that's something to keep our eyes on, as well as the only other portion of – Aaron Bradshaw and DJ Wagner news is they are coming back for obviously big blue madness. And it is abundantly clear as of right now that they have no plans to visit the university of Louisville. So that's some big news. Cause obviously uh, DJ Wagner has been kind of split with Louisville and UK for a while there. It looked like Louisville had kind of, you know, taken the step lead. Now his crystal ball is actually leaning 87% towards the Kentucky Wildcats with no official visit scheduled to go to Louisville. So that's just the other 
tail end of the the most recent news but that does it for the housekeeping love it sam appreciate the uh the insight there and yeah it's it's always exciting to start thinking about basketball it's gonna it's gonna be here before we know it honestly it's it's coming up, you know, I, you see the pictures start to circulate with, with the team and seeing Shibway out there and and all sorts of things like that. So it's it's getting exciting. Like Sam said, we'll we'll keep you guys updated on what's going on and really start to ramp that that part of our coverage up as, as the basketball season starts to ramp up itself. So with that being said, I think uh, I, I only have one thing that I want to say before we get out of here and... Uh, this game on Saturday, it's it's all about the run game on both sides of the football. And I know Ole Miss has been good at the run this year. Um, but, you know, just historically speaking, if, if we look back at the, the tenure of Mark Stoops and what's been built here over the years, I think uh, this program takes great pride in, in the run game on both sides of the football, running it on offense and stopping the run on defense. And I know that part of our game hasn't been on full display yet, but uh, I think you're going to see a little bit of a different Kentucky Wildcats team this weekend. And so I, I, I don't mind the game being predicated around the run game this weekend and that being a key to victory. So I feel quite confident in that. And uh, I know Kentucky Wildcats, those those crazy fans will be down there in Oxford just ready and, and all liquored up by noon, 11 a.m., whatever <laughs> it is, to get it going and, and, and cause a scene down there. So I can't, a scene, I can't wait. I, I'm super amped up. Uh, before we get out of here, I, I will just remind you guys, um, if you want to go on social media, on Twitter, follow the podcast at AO Kentucky Pod. Follow Sam on Twitter at SamBrad66. You can follow me there as well at Andrew J. Bradley. You can get the podcast wherever you listen to them, Spotify, Apple. We'll post them on our social media as well so you can get them there. Let's go get this W down in Oxford, Sam. That's all I got to say. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh. Oh! C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats.